podcast. I'm your host, Francisco Delator. With me today is my co-host, Joey Prohaska, and uh, we're lucky to be joined with uh, Frankie Solaric from The Bar Chef in Toronto. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you guys? Uh, it's good. It's been raining the last week and a half, so... <laughs> oh, uh, bummer. Could be better uh, in terms of like outdoors, but I uh, can't really do much in quarantine anyway, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair for sure. We're all st- stuck at home for sure. <laughs> So uh, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into you know bartending and uh, just the food and beverage industry? So I guess I, I started bartending uh, in a, a small cigar bar uh, in my hometown in London, Ontario, uh, here in Canada uh, at the age of, I guess I would have been around 17, 18. Uh, and that's when I was, uh, you know, first introduced, you know, it was, a, it was a cigar bar. So you were allowed to, you know, smoke inside. So there was like older gentlemen that would be, you know, coming in and enjoying, you know, cigars, you know, different various types of uh, tobaccos, you know, with either ports or scotches or cognac or, you know, cocktails. And, you know, that's when I was, I was first really introduced to the idea of, you know, flavor profiles and aromatics. And, you know, I would listen to these guys, uh, you know, talk about the different nuances of complexity that they were finding in the tobacco and the way it paired with the, you know, the liquid they were consuming. And I was just completely amazed. It kind of, you know, took me back and I, I, I essentially became obsessed with the idea of, uh, you know, the complexity that can be found, you know, within liquid and aroma and how it all plays together. Uh, so started bartending there. And then, uh, I was actually at the time I was on the national climbing team for, uh, for, you know, rock climbing. So I was traveling uh, to Europe, and then when I was traveling through Europe, I worked as a bartender in the UK, in England, uh, and that's when I was, you know, first introduced to. It was actually at a uh, a bar called Revolution, which was like an infusion bar. Uh, so it was like a vodka bar that they uh, they infused all these different, you know, sweets and candies and things like that into vodka, and uh, and so that's when I actually was introduced into, you know, the idea of wor- working with infusions. And although I wasn't, you know, fully part of the development of the the product that we were working with I was I was still able to you know taste them and just interact with the ingredients uh you know the finished product so that's kind of it was an eye opener for me as well so I feel like every single you know little aspect of my career along the way because uh, I guess I've been bartending 41 now so I guess I've been bartending oh, 40 sorry uh, I've been bartending since I was 18 so we're looking at like 22 years you know I've just been fortunate enough to work with people along the way that have kind of you know contributed to where I am today essentially so I'm pretty uh, pretty lucky so after after bartending in the UK I uh, traveled to New York City uh, where I was working in a, a uber fine dining restaurant there called Tocqueville uh, as a food runner, essentially. So my, one of my jobs was to, you know, I'd work in the, in the kitchen, uh, with the chef basically just garnishing and finishing plates before they were, uh, uh, presented to guests. And so just, you know, being immersed in that environment, that kitchen environment, you know, I can still remember the, the, you know, the, the, the beautiful colors and the, and the, the aromatics from all the ingredients and, you know, the way that the, the beautiful, you know, pristine white plates would do contrast with the, you know, colors of the fresh ingredients and all of that, that the chefs were working with. So for me, that really excited me as well. So I feel like that contributed, you know, compositionally to where I am today with my just perspective on, on, on plating and, and the way that I kind of have this, you know, ability to kind of create color palettes on, uh, on different service pieces, et cetera. Um, so, after Tocqueville, uh, in New York, moved to Toronto, uh, and I was attending George Brown College, uh, here in the city. And while I was working, uh, sorry, while I was studying, I was working as a bartender. And I was given, this was about 2001, uh, I was given the opportunity to create a cocktail program for a, a restaurant here called Rain, uh, that's no longer open, but, uh, but it was amazing. Super, super fine dining, really cool, uh, chef there named Guy Rubino. Uh, so I developed a cocktail program there. I was there for a couple of years and just worked around different, uh, different restaurants and bars, uh, in Toronto. And then finally about 2007 worked at a place called Cultura, uh, where I met my current business partner, Mr. Vanderveen. Uh, and, uh, 2008, we opened Bar Chef and here we are today. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like you have a pretty, uh, diverse background, you know, from being in Europe and infusion bars to, uh, upscale dining in New York and everything in between really. But, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Where do you think your, uh, inspiration comes for modern mixology? You know, where you, you take different aspects of senses, you take presentation, you take, uh, smells and stuff like that. Um, and you really infuse it well with uh, the alcohol you provide. Where do you, where do you think your main inspiration comes 
it's a mixture of a few different things that uh, that contribute to you know the overall inspiration. I, I mean, take I take huge inspiration creatively from like you know nature, working with beautiful ingredients, and you know when it gets into service pieces and, and creating you know different references of perspective. There's almost like inspiration you know from every single medium. If it's different set design for particular movies, I you know I really enjoy kind of you know watching. You know, movies that do a great job of really capturing the tone or essence of a particular environment. So I take inspiration from that as well as, you know, music, uh, you know, classical music and jazz, et cetera. Um, you know, it, working with the, within the modernist movement, I think has always been kind of my, my direction. It's always been the idea of challenging the genre, challenging, you know, the, the medium, which is the cocktail. It's, yeah. You know, I'd never wanted to, even like back in the day, you know, before we opened Bar Chef, I was, I was kind of, you know, not that mixologist or that bartender that was, you know, obsessed with, with replicating recipes from, you know, the early 1900s for classic cocktails, et cetera. My, my whole direction has always been to create a new, you know, movement towards new flavor profiles, working with new ingredients, just an overall, you know, new revolutionary experience when it comes to the cocktail experience and how far can you actually take that experience by incorporating, you know, different techniques. If it's, you know, tactile elements that you interact with and service pieces, if it's textures on the mouth, you know, different aromatics to increase complexity of the cocktail, et cetera. So I think it's, it's just always been a perspective of working within a movement and it'd be like that, that modernist kind of abstract expressionist movement of, of modern mixology. Nice. So you've been to all these places and you've had all these experiences, but I want to know what was the very first drink that you ever created completely your own? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. Very first drink. I would say, so when I came, when I was working at rain, uh, there was, <laughs> there's, so I did the, the cocktail program there was very, um, you know, Asian influenced because it was an Asian restaurant, uh, kind of like, um, fusion, Asian fusion. So it was a pretty modern uh, Asian influenced restaurant and cuisine. So I was doing some, some actually some pretty pushy stuff back in the day, considering it was 2001, you know, there was like, a, I remember a Togarashi uh, Caesar incorporating like a Togarashi spice and, uh, you know, just five spice blend, uh, you know, working with tomato water and, and nigori sake and kind of just, you know, an adaptation of the classic Caesar, but more of like kind of Asian influence. And that was, I'd say that was probably one of my, one of my first, like, you know, fully solo created cocktails on the program. It did really well, actually, like toasted sesame on the rim. It was, it was really cool. So. Yeah. So when you created that, did other people, um, just be like, Oh wow. Like Frankie just created this, this awesome new cocktail. And then they started to like, you know, push you for more. Is that how, um, you really got into it or. I think it was just like, yeah, it was a natural evolution for sure. And then, you know, as the menu changed, uh, like as the food menu changed, I would just constantly evolve, you know, working with new ingredients and, and new techniques to try and, you know, pair the, the program with the, the menu that chef was preparing. It was just a constant evolution of pushing and, uh, and, you know, working with new flavor profiles. And, you know, to be honest, like the thing is with, you know, with mixology and, and what I do, it's, it's a very visceral expression. Like it's a very internal creative journey, if you will, for me to be able to create cocktails that people haven't tasted before flavor profiles that people haven't tasted before. It, it brings a lot of joy to me. So I like a, you know, very uh, obsessed, a healthy obsession with, with what I do creatively for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think you can talk to like any artist about that, right? They're, they're always uh, obsessed or always looking for something new and creative. And I think you just have that in your genes. Yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, I appreciate that for sure. <laughs> So I was, I was on your website and I was looking over your menu and I saw somebody had posted a picture of the toasted old fashioned. Um, and this is the first time I've ever seen an old fashioned that's, you know, sold uh, in a bottle you can get somewhere, um, not at a bar. Yeah. So, uh, I'm enjoying one right now. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That looks really good. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really cool. The toasted old fashioned, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it, like to taste that liquid, I almost like prefer to, to refer to it as like a liquid experience just because the flavor profile just, you know, has, has just captures Bar Chef in such a beautiful way. Um, you know, the, 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 like the toasting of the, the chamomile flowers that we're using in the bitters and then just the overall complexity that comes out of that bottle. I mean, it, it, it's crazy for sure. A lot of people are, are really excited about it. It's, uh, it's been a really cool experience with, uh, with Bar Chef Project and, you know, getting into the retail market with, you know, us being able to share our approach with what we do at Bar Chef, but with such a huge audience, uh, it's, it's been really cool for sure. So what was the uh, inspiration behind that? Was, 
Was there a reason that you wanted to distribute a mass market item like that? So, you know, I mean, on my end, creatively, the whole reason I do what I do is just to overall as a consensus, just elevate the uh, expectations from a guest perspective of what's possible within the genre of cocktails and flavor profile. So, you know, we've been doing a bottle aged cocktail program at Bar Chef uh, for a few years now. And, you know, I mean, it's truly, it's truly amazing what, what happens, uh, you know, over the, over time, uh, you know, in bottled, uh, in bottled cocktails, what happens in the bottle with our particular style of cocktail that we do incorporating, you know, the, such a, a dominant flavor profile with spices because the essential oils and the spices, they evolve and, uh, you know, integrate, amalgamate in the bottle over time. Um, it's, it's truly fantastic. So it was my business partner's uh, idea. You know, he was like one day, he was just like, Hey, you know, we should, we should, you know, we should be bottling our cocktail. We should bottle a cocktail and see if we can, you know, sell it to the LCBO and, and fast forward. Here we are today. And it's, you know, I mean, it's, been, it's amazing. Like we're in over a hundred, uh, you know, stores locally here in Ontario. We have a thing called the LCBO, which is the liquor control board of Ontario. And that's basically the only store that you can, you know, go to buy, you know, spirits and stuff. So, uh, you know, to be able to have a product in, you know, on shelf in, you know, over a hundred stores, it's, it's really cool for sure. Just to be able to, you know, be in people's homes, you know, have them enjoying bar chef cocktails at home. It's, uh, it's a magical thing for sure. So Frankie, you said, uh, your product gets all over the, all over Canada. Have you ever had any thoughts of bringing it international to the United States, to Europe and just all around the world? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah, that's definitely the intention. Like right now we're, uh, you know, we're focusing on, on developing the brand, uh, here in Ontario. And then, uh, after that, we'll be working at, uh, working on international distribution for sure. That's the goal. Yeah. Definitely got to get our hands on some of that. <laughs> yeah. It's delicious, man. One other thing I was going to ask you about, uh, while we're, while we're still talking about preparation and creating uh, fine cocktails is how much time or how far in advance do you think you have to, you have to estimate for, um, some of the stuff you guys prepare in house, like your homemade bitters, your syrups, um, herbs and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the program at Bar Chef is run very much like you would, you know, a, a kitchen. It's, it's, you know, a constant inventory and monitoring of, uh, of the perishable items because, you know, with Bar Chef, it's culinary approach to cocktails. So it's the idea of working with the freshest possible ingredients. So we handle the program and, you know, ordering and, and the actual maintenance and execution of the program the same way a chef would, you know, in a fine dining restaurant. So, uh, it's, it's the idea of just, you know, working with fresh ingredients, constantly, you know, keeping an eye on quality, uh, you know, the bitters themselves, uh, you know, with the aging process for our bitters being, uh, you know, some at three months and uh, a little bit less uh, for time. It's just constant maintenance of, uh, you know, and overlooking sales figures and, and making sure that we have enough quantity on hand uh, to be able to execute the program. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure nobody is ever disappointed. You know, I mean, who, who doesn't like a, a fresh cocktail, right? With all the finest ingredients are most of the ingredients you guys get like locally grown in uh, Ontario or do you guys uh, source them? Uh, so, I mean, we do, we do try and work with local suppliers as much as we can. I mean, we're, we're a little limited uh, here with some ingredients, but, uh, but yeah, we try to, you know, support local farmers as much as we can for sure. Nice. I mean, right now, uh, we don't have anything as good as the, the old fashioned, but we have a couple of brews, you know, we're just having a good time. Do you still enjoy a uh, cold one with the boys or are you just, are you strictly a cocktail guy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I love beer. Beer's, beer's tasty for sure. Like a little, uh, Pilsner or Kell every once in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I do, I do drink cocktails for sure. I enjoy wine as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all dependent on the, uh, on the celebration and what's happening. All right. I can dig that for sure. That's awesome. So you mm -hmm. said you're drinking uh, old fashioned right now. Is that your go-to drink when you usually go to a bar or go to your own bar? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, to be able to like with the toasted old fashioned with bar chef project, just to be able to open the bottle and just pour it out directly over ice. And you've got, you know, cocktail bar quality cocktail. I mean, it, it's, it's truly amazing for sure. So I, I would say, you know, as far as like one of my favorites, the yeah, old fashioned for sure. Um, you know, Martinez is another uh, delicious cocktail. Uh, you know, Negronis, you can't go wrong. Um, you know, and every once in a while as well, I do admit I, I enjoy a, a, a little double Jack Daniels with a dash of cola. Not going to lie. <laughs> Actually, a guy on our last podcast, he was talking about a Negroni, but he didn't really get into too much detail about it. So can you explain to the people uh, that don't know exactly what a Negroni is? Yeah. So a Negroni, classic cocktail. Uh, it's basically a blend of equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. So you kind of have all of the essentials that are needed in a, you know, in a, in the classic definition of a cocktail. 
you have it all in there ready to go. So your gin is your spirit base, uh, you know, quite uh, herbaceous and, and the botanical elements that they use to produce gin, uh, you know, have a lot of complexity there, different spices and, and florals and herbs, et cetera. So it's a, you know, quite a, quite a beautiful spirit to, to uh, enjoy and work with as a mixologist. Uh, after that, you have uh, Campari, which is like, you know, it's, it's the bitter component in the cocktail. It's quite bright, um, quite floral, fragrant. Uh, there's like orange tones in it, a uh, little bit of like, you know, green strawberry, little orange blossom as well. Uh, so it's like that would be your, your bittering agent. And then lastly, you have sweet vermouth, which provides, you know, a little bit of length and then sweetness to balance. So it's, uh, it's delicious. Yeah, those all sound great. Yeah, he said um, a bar he went to, I can't exactly remember where, but he's like, the only thing you can get is a Negroni or a Pagoni. He's like, if you order gin and juice, you get a Negroni. If you order something else, you get a Pagoni. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's, uh, hey, it's a good drink. Why not? Yeah, he was an old-fashioned bartender, uh, I believe in Philadelphia. Yep. And those were like his just two specialties, and people only came in for those two drinks. <laughs> Have you tried to get anything else? Oh, cool. He would not let you do it. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. Amazing. That's cool. So what would you say uh, your favorite part about owning a bar is? Owning a bar is, is a really amazing, uh, you know, I'm, I feel very blessed for sure. It's, a, it's an amazing opportunity just to, you know, work with people and, and meet new people every day. Uh, and just, you know, as well, just the creative freedom to be able to create a program that's completely not limited. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's been an amazing, amazing experience. You know, I feel very fortunate and blessed to uh, be able to do what I do uh, creatively and make a living by it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard work, but anything that's special and anything that's beautiful is hard work. So, you know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to, you know, work in the industry and, uh, you know, open up a business, uh, you know, it takes hard work. You have to love it just because the amount of time that's invested to be able to make it successful. But what a, what a beautiful, what a beautiful experience. What an amazing way to, uh, to make a living, you know, like it's, it's, I always say, you know, tell our team at the bar, it's like, imagine how many, you know, musicians or sculptors or painters or, or different artists working with different mediums, you know, are just like, would, would just kill for the opportunity to be able to, you know, express themselves creatively and make a living by it. People that work in the hospitality industry, if you're, you know, either back of house in the kitchen or working as a bartender, uh, you know, to be able to interact with people, provide, you know, joy, uh, you know, for people that are celebrating, you know, particular things and coming out to your, your bar or restaurant to, to do that is, is an honor for sure. So it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, I'm, I feel very fortunate. It's awesome that you get to do something, you know, that you love every single day. Yeah, I agree for sure. So you said you planned on bringing your old fashioned all around the world, but how about, uh, other bar chefs? Have you thought about opening up another restaurant, uh, anywhere else? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've definitely thought about it for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's been something uh, that, you know, my business partner, Brent and I have, have discussed in the past. We get a lot of, uh, you know, people coming in and, uh, you know, wanting to, uh, to open bar chefs in their, in their hometown. Like we were talking uh, with some gentlemen from uh, Dubai uh, for a while, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, the thing is for us, it's, uh, you know, bar chef is such a, a special place and we have people travel from all around the world to, you know, to come specifically to Toronto to go to bar chef. You know, there's, there's part of that, that thing as well, that element of like, you know, if you open two or three or four, you know, it takes away from that, that magic that is, you know, bar chef number one, bar chef in Toronto. So, I mean, it, it's been something that we, we have discussed, uh, recently there's been, uh, you know, some opportunities that we're, you know, discussing, but, uh, you know, I mean, the program at Bar Chef as well is, is so involved and it's so different from your traditional, you know, cocktail bar or restaurant that, you know, it's a different, it's a different beast for sure. So to be able to, you know, open, you know, two or three Bar Chefs, uh, it will, will take a, a very, very, very strong infrastructure, uh, you know, which we're, we're currently working on as well. It's, it's not, it's not out of the question, but at the same time, it's, uh, we're in no rush for sure. <clears throat> yeah, definitely wouldn't mind having a, a couple more in the States, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep a note on that. It makes sense. So, you know, with, with how uh, high quality your uh, place is, opening another one, you know, it might be hard to keep that throughout, you know, two, three, or even like five restaurants or bars. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, there's only one Frankie Solaric, so. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. I know. I got to, got to work on the cloning thing for sure. <laughs> But uh, no, you're talking about Toronto and um, I mean, there's there's countless news articles and uh, just press about how you're a staple to, you know, the Ontario culture, specifically Toronto. I mean, people from all around the world, like you said, come and visit just to see Bar Chef. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that Toronto plays a big part in, you know, the brand that you've created? Do you think it would work anywhere else? 
You know, I think, you know, with Barchef being as successful as it is and, and what we've achieved, um, you know, it, it, it's a bunch of different little things that have, you know, fit together so perfectly to get us to where we are today. I think, you know, the market, like when we opened in 2008, uh, you know, it was a very uh, conservative time in, in the market, in the, in the industry as well. And at that time, there was like, a, you know, just a, an overall obsession with classic cocktails. No one was doing anything really that was like more, you know, avant-garde. So it was kind of like the perfect time for, for us to, you know, to get open Bar Chef and kind of, you know, focus on, on our expression and, and what we do. Yeah, Toronto is an amazing city and, and, and you know, the, the guests that we have, uh, you know, coming to join us at, at Bar Chef for Cocktails, I feel like, you know, Toronto's scene, uh, it really embraces, you know, expressionism and just people that are, you know, trying to express themselves. Uh, you know, so they've been, the Toronto people have been amazing, just very open to, to what we're doing at Bar Chef, very receptive. Uh, and then, you know, we were fortunate when we opened, we just started to, you know, receive quite a bit of, you know, press both locally and, and, you know, internationally, uh, which essentially got the, you know, the ball rolling and the word started to, uh, to spread about what we were doing. And there's no, there's no, uh, no better city in the world that we'd, uh, that we'd want to be in. Uh, for what we're doing. So we feel very, uh, very proud to be Toronto, Toronto born. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely love Toronto. I've been three times now and uh, every time has been awesome. The The city has such a great atmosphere. Everyone there is, you know, like you said, receptive, so kind um, and just yeah. willing to have a good time. And uh, I mean, I, I'm willing to go back <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Amazing. So your business partner, um, does he make drinks along with you or is that generally what you focus on? Uh, no, so, so Brent focuses on, you know, the, the operations, the brand, uh, you know, the design element as well. He's also curated the, uh, the spirits and, and, uh, the back bar and what we do for, you know, he has a huge passion for, uh, for spirits. And so he's been, you know, working really hard at that as well. So he focuses on, on the, the operations of the brand and just, you know, making sure that everything is, is running and functional. And, uh, and then on the polar opposite side is, uh, is myself. Uh, and, you know, the more of the kind, you know, kind of very obviously the cocktail element of what we do. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, the overall kind of composition of the guest experience from the cocktail side of things. Yeah. So you guys sound like you're a little yin and yang there. <laughs> It's the perfect balance. Not, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I feel very fortunate to, uh, you know, to have a business partner like Brent for sure. What would you say is Brent's best quality or his best characteristic to have as a business partner? Brent is, you know, fanatically obsessed with the details of, you know, what his responsibilities are as much as I am with mine, you know, and I think it's an amazing, amazing, um, partnership and, uh, and, and relationship that we have, you know, obviously, you know, built on the respect of, of the other person's strength. You know, it's, it's, I think that's key in a, in a, in a, you know, in a relationship when, you know, when you have a, a business, a successful business, it's, uh, it's all about, you know, respect. So, you know, I feel very fortunate to, you know, to have friends as a business partner and, and for us to accomplish what we've accomplished with our chef as a team. It's, it's been amazing for sure. And so you said he takes care of most of the, uh, the operations, and stuff like that. Who, mm -hmm. who designs the, uh, the interior and like the aesthetic that you're going for within Bar Chef? So the, the design, uh, you know, was, has, was a collaboration, uh, you know, between, uh, Brent and I for sure, but he definitely has, has a, a better eye for, uh, you know, for the, the overall interior design, the feel of the space. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a good, uh, good eye to detail when it comes to design. His idea, we put the back bar in recently. Uh, I guess it was a, a few years now. Uh, and, uh, and, he, and, you know, he was, he was the one that kind of led that, that reno and it was, it was amazing. I, you know, I could, I, we discussed it obviously what, uh, what we were going to do and then to see it kind of come into fruition, what he had in his mind to where we arrived is, was amazing. He definitely, uh, has the eye, uh, of detail and design, which is, uh, which is awesome for sure. Yeah, that's good. That's something that I definitely lack. I do not have a designer's eye. Um, I'm not very like, yeah, artistic too. or creative or anything <laughs> like that. More of a, a numbers guy and like strategy. So to have something like that in your corner, it's gotta be awesome. Yeah. It's important too, right? That's the thing. It's gotta be a, a blend of both worlds, right? You see, there's no, there's no business without art and there's no art without business. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> So you guys have a lot of um, special drinks at Bar Chef. Do you guys have any food there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we do like um, elevated, uh, you know, snack plates and, you know, we do like things like cheese and charcuterie. Uh, we have some, uh, a new menu as well that, um, that our chef is, uh, has put together that we'll be releasing when we uh, reopen. 
you know, elevated bar food, essentially, like a lot of like nice, bold, strong flavors, it's, uh, but like approachable. I think the thing is with Bar Chef is that, you know, that because there's such a huge emphasis on, on, you know, the challenge uh, when it comes to what's possible within the cocktail experience that we wanted to go a little bit more approachable on the food side, just so that, you know, there's, there's that reference of, of approachability. You said you kind of like it approachable. So do you experiment a little bit with your food or how does it work with that? Uh, you know, I think it's just the attention to detail when it comes to, you know, beautiful composition of flavor, uh, as opposed to, you know, working with any type of modernist, you know, manipulation or anything like that when on the food side of things. At the end of the day, you know, we are a bar We're you know, we just, but at the same time, what we're challenging and what we're doing with cocktails, we keep it a little bit more approachable and safe on the food side. So does the food play into the, uh, like the psychology behind like modern mixologies? Do you, do you guys strive to create food that's like really aromatic? Absolutely, man, for sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because there needs to be the same amount of emphasis, you know, in a, in a space, in a confined space, like a cocktail bar, um, you know, you do have the ability to play with, you know, aromatics and, and that, 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 you know, contributes to the overall tone of the experience. And I think that's something that we've, you know, really been able to, uh, uh, excel at, at Bar Chef is utilizing every single element of the guest experience to be a, a, you know, a part of the composition. It's like a piece of the puzzle that creates the experience that is Bar Chef. So when working with, you know, cuisine and what we do in the food side of things at the bar with this current menu that we're going to be dropping, it's, uh, you know, working with, you know, beautiful aromatics and, you know, that again, that fre- the fresh ingredients and, flavors that will, will stand up the cocktails, but not overpower. Right. Speaking of how, uh, I don't even know what the right word is, but just how bold your, uh, your presentations are and your drinks, do you find it's pretty contagious when one person at the bar orders uh, a smoked Manhattan or a sailor's mojito or just some, some really like uh, bold, you know, cocktail, do you find that other people in the bar also like, Oh, that looks really good. Maybe I should get one of those too. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Definitely. Like when you see service pieces kind of, you know, going through the, the dining room and then you have, uh, you know, guests turning around being like, holy moly, like, what is that? What is that? And then that, that's, that, that's generally what, uh, what leads to, you know, additional orders of that particular item. Just because when you see the, you know, the elaborate service pieces and some, you know, sometimes the use of illumination and different techniques, uh, to have that travel through the dining room, is pretty, pretty eye catching for sure. So I think it definitely kind of, you know, leads to additional sales after that for sure. And uh, something I thought was really interesting as well was, I believe it's the smoked Manhattan. You guys burn the fire trips and then you put the drink on top after they've cooled down and it creates like that, the smoky aroma um, with a glass on top. That's correct. Yeah, that's our signature cocktail. That's the uh, the world's first cocktail, world's first smoked cocktail. Wow. Yeah. When we come to Toronto, uh, about to get a couple of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. Like, you know, at this point now, like when, you know, we've been open now for 11 years to see people use it, utilizing that technique, that smoking cloche technique uh, all around the world. It's, I mean, it's amazing because, you know, it's, it's truly, truly something, uh, you know, as an artist, that's the goal, right? To be able to contribute to your medium in a way that creates like a legacy, something that lasts longer than, you know, than what it is essentially for us to be able to have created a technique that's being used in bars around the world is, uh, is pretty cool for sure. Yeah. They say, uh, emulation is the most sincerest form of, uh, flattery. So, uh, I'm yeah, sure you, yeah. you probably take a lot of pride in pretty much creating a new movement in the cocktail space. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. That's an awesome, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's very kind to say. Yeah. It's, uh, pretty cool considering, you know, how much I, you know, look up to and respect, you know, chefs that have, that have done the same thing. Like, you know, you look at chefs like Ferran Adrian, and Albert Adria of, uh, of El Bulli. And then you have chefs like Heston Blumenthal and Grant Hackett of, uh, of Alinea in Chicago. Um, you know, they, they are the, the forefathers, like the, the, the OGs of, you know, the modernist movement and, uh, you know, in cuisine. And to be able to, you know, create that same type of, uh, you know, approach and movement on the mythology side is, uh, is pretty cool. It's pretty crazy that, you know, Bar Chef has become the reference of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are there any other uh, techniques that you guys have found at Bar Chef that have been starting to circulate around the world? I, you know, I just, I have noticed the whole thing with the program at Bar Chef is just constant, you know, evolution and constant reinvention, if you will, of, of working with new flavor profiles and, and, and new techniques and ingredient manipulation, et cetera. So, you know, I have, I have seen stuff now like, you know, flavored ice is, uh, is something that's being used a lot as a technique in the mixology world. And, you know, when we started doing that, uh, I guess it would be back in 2000, 
well, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, we, I hadn't seen that. Like we hadn't seen that anywhere. So it's, you know, to be able to, to have that going on now too, where you're starting to see some of our, our ice techniques being used at, uh, at different places and, and just overall like service pieces and the use of, you know, dry ice and aromatics and, you know, all these different things. It's, it's pretty cool to see the, the impact that Bar Chef has had on the industry. The uh, smoked Manhattan, would you say that's something that's going to yep. be on your menu uh, forever? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a signature, you know, like we have, we have people, uh, tr- you know, travel from all over the place to have that cocktail. So it's, it's pretty special. I was looking through some of your, like some of the press that was on your website as well. And I believe it was in 2015, you guys had the best daiquiri in, uh, in Canada. Is that, is that true? I believe it is. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Don't, I don't remember that one, but it's, it's possible. It's a good one. It's popular. <laughs> You guys cover a wide variety of flavor profiles and stuff like that from, you know, whiskeys, bourbons, uh, all the way to like daiquiris. <clears throat> Is there like a, a process in place that you have, you know, like trial and error and giving it to guests and stuff like that? Because it just seems like you guys perfect everything you do. Oh, that's uh, very kind to say. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I think at this point now we have the the ability to, I think just because of having such an intimate relationship with the ingredients, uh, over the course of such a long time that, uh, that we've gotten to the point now where, you know, each, each cocktail's like composition, uh, is, is coming from a place of experience working with those particular elements and those ingredients. And it's the idea of kind of not deconstructing, but, but looking at cocktails and, and the compositional process in a different way. It's, it's the idea of categorizing ingredients in particular ways that when you pair them together and work in, and they just tend to work very seamlessly. So I think it's just, you know, because of that uh, obsession that we've had with the ingredients and flavor profiles and the aromatics and, and every single element of what we do at Bar Chef for so long, it's just got, you know, gotten us to the point where we're able to, you know, create cocktails that work, that flavor profiles that really, you know, blend really nicely together. Yeah. It kind of sounds like you guys, uh, you guys go like a step further than, you know, the, the average mixologist or the average bar. And it almost is like you reverse engineer and you take the best components from each thing and then put it together into something that everyone seems to like, you know? Yeah. Whenever we do like, you know, seminars and, and, and tutorials for mixologists, like I always say, like it, it's, it's the idea of being able to, you know, transfer the perception of flavor and aroma to color composition. So generally colors that work together, colors that, you know, are, are blended to create a particular composition. Let's say, for example, like a fall themed, uh, you know, painting generally would work with colors of like, you know, oranges, browns, reds, you know, dark greens, et cetera. And if you transfer those colors to flavors and aroma, you'll find that they work well, beautifully as well together the same way that they would visually. So like, for example, well, you know, when you're looking at, you know, flavors of, of browns, if you will, you have things like cinnamon and maple, and then you go into like reds, which incorporate like apple and, you know, autumn tones, like, you know, squashes and, and different things like bitter almond and almonds and sarnese and, you know, chocolate and darker green tones like rosemary, for example, they all pair beautifully together. So that's one of our techniques when, it, when we, when we look at, you know, flavor composition and aromatic composition, it's the idea of transferring flavors and aroma to color tone. Right. And on the opposite side of that, I'm sure it'd be kind of funky if you give someone a drink that's, uh, it's red and it's, it's blue and it's very bright and you think you're getting something that's like berry and then it tastes like mint, right? You know, I think that just, it would yep. turn off the complete peel yep. of drinking it at that point. Yep, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a technique that I work with a lot is just overall like visual reference and, and the manipulation of perspective. It's uh, it's, a, it's a very cool technique. So are you also into like art and painting? Because I, I feel like you have a good eye for it by, you know, the conversation we're having. Uh, I don't know. Like I love art. Like I, lo- I like a huge respect for, uh, you know, for, for arts of any any medium. For me personally, I'm not the, not the best drawer. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, I, you know, I do tend to, I do draw quite a bit just because of, you know, working with, uh, different service pieces and, and new concepts and stuff, always kind of sketching, but no, I, I focus mainly on, on the modernist mythology. <laughs> I mean, you're a master of it. So, you know, just doing what you're good at, I guess, but it doesn't hurt to have some hobby. Uh, I appreciate that. We've had a few different perspectives on this, but, uh, when you go out, do you usually go to your bar or do you go to somebody else's? Uh, so, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a couple spots that, uh, that I tend to, you know, go to and frequent when, uh, when I do go out, I don't go out very often, but, uh, but you know, when we do, we have a, you know, just a couple of late like spots that are pretty mellow and, and chill and just kind of 
you know, go get a, a couple, um, you know, plates of, of food and a couple drinks and, and pretty chill. Um, you know, Bar Chef, I mean, it, it's, it's such a cool, cool bar. So, you know, anytime that, uh, that I do have, you know, guests from out of town or anything like that, we always, uh, you know, meet up at Bar Chef for sure. You're obviously a very inspirational person and all the stuff that you've created is, I mean, it's world renowned at this point. Um, do you still encourage your staff and other people that work with, you know, with the business to uh, have that same creativity? Do you allow your workers to also try and uh, challenge the norm? Oh, absolutely. One, 100 billion percent. It's so, it's so important, uh, you know, to be able to like bar chef is, is that energy is built on creativity. So for our team, you know, it's so important that, uh, that they're able to express themselves artistically as well. So, you know, we have, we, there's the guests have the ability to, you know, come into the bar and just order stuff that's, uh, you know, off menu, uh, you know, based on particular flavor profiles that they enjoy and, 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 you know, or et cetera. And the mixologist, you know, we, we absolutely, uh, you know, um, appreciate, uh, you know, and, uh, make sure that they understand that, uh, that they are totally free to be able to express themselves creatively. It's, it's, it's what Bar Chef is all about. It's what Bar Chef's here for. It's the idea of, of, of art and, and self-expression. Yeah. I figured that was the answer, but I just had to know for sure. Cause, uh, I might be looking for a new job yeah. there. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, that's pretty sweet though. And, uh, have you, have any, uh, drinks made it onto the menu from, you know, like, uh, your workers? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So what we do now with our menu releases is we'll, you know, sit down collectively as a, as a team and, uh, and, you know, and taste all of the options that are being submitted. So, you know, each, each mixologist will put together a few options based on spirits uh, that we're going to be using on the menu and overall kind of tone. Every menu, you know, every release tends to have like a, a particular tone. Like for example, the spring and summer menu that we're, uh, that we're launching when we open, uh, the tone of that, of that menu is, 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 you know, the vibrancy of spring and like particular colors of, you know, white, yellows and greens. So, you know, the team was tasked with, you know, creating cocktails with flavor profiles that kind of embodied that tone. Uh, and then, so we sit down and we taste all the cocktails that are submitted. And then we decide as a team, uh, you know, which ones work, how, you know, how we can improve or what we need to change. Uh, you know, to get it on the menu. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's key. You know, there's, there's no I in team, team. So it's, it's very important that we all work uh, collectively. So how often do these menu changes happen? We used to change the menu seasonally. So every, uh, every season we would drop a new menu. Uh, and then recently we've switched over to doing two, you know, pretty uh, elaborate changes uh, for the year. So we do one for spring and summer and fall and winter. Uh, so there's uh, more significant changes happening on those menus and we've reduced down to two releases. Yeah, that's a good way to definitely keep people, you know, coming back for one if they weren't already in inter- interested. But now it's like, oh, man, there's there's new modern, uh, new modern drinks. You know, I got to got to go try them all. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then also we just need that, you know, creatively. We need that the ability to, uh, you know, to create and express for sure. It's, uh, it's, it's yeah, like I said, it's like what, you know, what that's truly what Bar Chef is, is all about is just creativity and, and artistic expression. It's so important for all of us on the team to be able to express ourselves through the experience. And what would you say was the first cocktail that you had that uh, had challenged the status quo for what a cocktail should be? You know, I was, t- I was tasting stuff, um, you know, back in the day, like when I was at uh, Revolution, that uh, infusion bar, uh, you know, that were, you know, they're quite confectionery and flavor profile. But at the same time, it was it was definitely uh, it was an imperative experience for me to go through to see how flavors could translate from being, you know, tan- tangible objects that you can, you know, buy in a, you know, for example, score. They had a score infused like score chocolate bars. Um, gore infused vodka. And, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily sound like something that would be, you know, delicious, but you know, when, when you actually tasted this product, it was like, okay, I see, I see what's going on here. Like it literally was a liquid that, that tasted of, you know, the same flavor profile of the, of the chocolate bar. So for me, that was, that was pretty interesting, uh, and a, and a game changer in my career because it, you know, to be able to, you know, that's what I do now essentially with every single thing that I put together of every single element of every single ingredient that goes into every cocktail. So it was a, it was a key, uh, integral element for me to, uh, to go through an experience. So I would probably say that that would be my answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. And like you said, uh, chocolate doesn't seem like one of those things that would be great with vodka, but then you also think about the other flavors of vodka. There's, you know, there's vanilla, there's whipped cream flavored, you know, vodka, birthday cake. I mean, they're all out there right now. And yeah. yeah. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> going a little away from the bar and going a little more into your journey. 
What, what would you say one thing that you failed at and that you later like overcame? Um, so I think, you know, self-expression is, 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 is a very personal experience, you know, like to, to put yourself out there, uh, you know, creatively and, and, you know, releasing new menus and releasing new cocktails and, and all these, you know, different releases. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very personal experience. So I feel like, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, that I've, that I've kind of overcome over the course of, you know, the years and, and my experience is confidence in that self-expression. Uh, you know, I've been, you know, very fortunate over the years to just work so closely with these ingredients that from, from failing in the beginning before we opened Bar Chef, you know, you always, it's always, you're always going to have those trial and error, if you will. So to have, to have those experiences where, you know, you've worked with, you know, trying to do things and it still happens now where I'm trying, you know, to work with new techniques and coming up with new techniques. I mean, that's the, the coolest thing about, you know, the modernist movement is it's the idea of, you know, not opening up a cookbook and referring to a recipe. You know, we, we do everything for the very first time at the bar. The, the idea was is to create techniques, to create flavor profiles, et cetera. So, you know, it's always an evolving learning experience. So to be able to take, you know, the failure of trial and error and, uh, you know, and, and grow from that, I think is a very strong uh, attribute. And yeah, and they always say, you know, if you're going to fail, fail quickly and learn from your mistakes, but then also take the experiences from that, I guess, quote unquote failure, and then move on to the next project and take what you've learned. And it sounds like, I mean, even if something fails in the kitchen, I mean, it might inspire someone else to try something um, outside of the box in that same field, right? So exactly, for sure. Like a lot of a lot of the time, you know, you'll you'll be working on a, on a te- on a technique, and it won't work out, but it'll create something else that's you know magical as well. So it, it all depends. You just got to let the creative process do its thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And then if somebody wants to, uh, you know, become a modern mixologist or even join, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur or opening their own bar, what is, what is something that you think is an essential skill when uh, either joining the modern mixology era or, you know, starting their own bar? Oh, passion. One, 100% passion and authenticity. Like you need to like fully and truly love it. And, and it needs to be a part of you. Like, so like I, I have a quote that I say in order to create composition with harmonious depth and complexity, you must build an emotional attachment to your ingredients. And it's the idea of, you know, the ingredients that you're working with being a part of you. It's like being a musician or a painter and just being completely obsessed with the sound of the notes or the color tones of the colors that you're working with, uh, the texture of the paint. Like it's, it's, there's so many different elements, you know, to be a, to be a perfectionist, to be a true professional, you know, you need to be completely obsessed with, with your genre and your medium. So for me, I, uh, you know, I would, I would 100% just say an authentic passion and love for what you do. If you, if you have that and you, you truly love what you do, then beautiful things will, will happen for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's with any entrepreneur, really. I mean, you don't get ahead in life just being an entrepreneur. It's doing what you love, doing it 18 hours a day, and then being able to replicate your success and teach others. Right. So I think you've pretty much mastered that skill. <laughs> Oh, I thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. This one might be a hard, uh, hard one for you because it seems like you're so passionate about what you do. But if you weren't operating a bar, what do you think you would be doing right now? Okay, that's a, that's a good <laughs> question for sure. To be honest, I, I love, I love fragrance. I love um, the, the perfume industry. I take a, like a huge inspiration from from perfume. Uh, I think it's it's like it's truly beautiful. Some of the you know to to be able to capture an essence or a tone with an aromatic like a fragrance, I think is really cool. You know, to be honest, I think I'd probably be working in the perfume industry uh, in some capacity. Maybe uh, you know just trying to you know perf- or like a perfumier, maybe composing scents uh, would be would be my dream gig for sure. If I wasn't uh, you know fortunate enough to be able to to do what I do now. So I would probably say I'd work in the perfume industry at, at some capacity. Yeah. And up until like this podcast, I would have put, you know, perfume industry and bar industry on just completely separate <laughs> sides of the spectrum. But I mean, the way, the way it's you know described now, it actually makes you know perfect sense. <laughs> oh, it's very similar, man, for sure. Like if you look at, you know, sense and fragrance, like the way that, they, you know, there's, there's body, there's heart, like there's bass tones to a, to a sense at the same time, there's like, there's accent, there's high notes, et cetera, like extremely complex and in a beautiful perfume or cologne, like you can, you can take it apart the same way you'd be able to, you know, a beautiful flavor profile of a, of a liquid. It's like the idea of like just mass complexity, uh, you know, in creating that visceral relationship. 
Um, you know, it, it's the olfactory system is, is very powerful in the way that it's directly connected to our brain. So, you know, in our amygdala, which creates emotion. So the, the way that we associate flavor and, uh, and aroma with emotion, it's very closely attached. So I think that's probably why I have, uh, you know, such an interest in, in the perfume industry as well. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Did you study psychology at university or anything like that? Because it seems like you have a really good grasp on it, more than I do, that's for sure. Oh, I, uh, I, I haven't actually. I, just, I have an interest in, uh, you know, in, in the, the human mind and the way that we perceive things. I think, you know, for, for me creatively, uh, you know, to be able to, to use perception uh, as an actual ingredient in the composition is, is pretty cool. You know, it's, I mean, you know, and the, and the coolest thing about it is that it's, it's happened all naturally as well over the evolution of, of what we've been doing with the program at Bar Chef. You know, it's, it's definitely a, uh, an interest and passion of mine for sure. Just the human mind and the way that we, you know, perceive is pretty, is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And if you could describe Bar Chef in three words, what would those words be? Oh, okay. That's awesome. Uh, authentic, beautiful, and magical. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my three words. Yeah. I mean, they fit the theme really well and, uh, yeah, I can't, can't uh, disagree with that. It's a, it's a magic place, man. Like when you, when you open those doors and you walk into, into Bar Chef, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the idea of like, you know, the, the door has a particular weight, you know, so that you it kind of, you know, creates that anticipation and you, you know, you walk in and then it's, it's dark, but you know, you hear the, the auditory elements of, you know, shaker tins, like with ice shaking and, you know, people talking and then you have, you know, the beautiful aroma, like Bar Chef has like this, this crazy beautiful aroma from just like, you know, the years of aromatics that, you know, we've been doing the smoke Manhattan and, you know, the, the amount of spices that we have, uh, you know, for the program and everything. So the, the, the overall space just resonates with this beautiful aroma, uh, that, that guests always mention. They're like, it just, they always mention like what is the, the smell of our chef is so, is so special. And that's a, that's a cool thing too about the total old fashion is that people I've had, uh, I've had people, you know, take a sip of it and be like, this literally just transports me like right to the bar, like instantly. It's, it's really cool for sure. And so, you know, you're an upscale bar in the heart of Toronto. Um, do you find that like you guys get a lot of like uh, local celebrities like Drake or do you guys get any Toronto Maple Leafs that come in or anything like that? Yeah, we do. We, for, we, uh, we have, um, you know, we've had our, a good, uh, a good list for sure of celebrities and, you know, local celebrities that have, that have joined us over the years for sure. Anywhere from Jay-Z, uh, Drake, Drake used to come in quite a bit. He hasn't, uh, he's a busy guy these days. I haven't seen him uh, recently, but, uh, but yeah, he used to frequent, uh, Bar Chef a lot. Um, yeah, we've had some, we've had some pretty, pretty cool people like Serena Williams, you know, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. There's been some, some pretty cool, cool guests for sure over the years. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy that you get, you know, the opportunity to meet so many different people from so many different places. And, you know, your place is just a place that everybody wants to be, you know? Yeah, it's cool, man. I feel very fortunate. I never, I never, not, I never ever take that for granted. Not a, a single second goes by that I take that for granted. I think it's, it's, it's pretty cool for sure. Living the dream, man, for sure. And uh, when you do drink a little too much, uh, is there a hangover recipe in your opinion? I. Uh, <laughs> You know what? To be honest, I don't know. Have you guys had a Caesar before? Have you ever had a Caesar? Absolutely. I have not actually. Oh, okay. You gotta have a Caesar, man. What? What is that? I'm curious. It's, so it's clamato. Uh, clamato is, is basically tomato juice with uh, with a little bit of clam juice in there, and it sounds disgusting, but it's uh, it's so good, man, and it works. Like you know, a Caesar, a Caesar when you're hungover. Um, literally will just fix it up like right away. I don't know. I don't know what happens there and why, why it happens. But, uh, but yeah, you have a Caesar when you're not feeling so hot the following day after a night out and then you'll be feeling better for sure. That's awesome. I, I usually go for like, like a, uh, bloody Mary or a mimo- uh, mimosa. <laughs> yeah. It's similar. It's similar for sure to a bloody Mary. It's just, there's uh, just the addition of, uh, the clam juice and the, uh, in the, like in the, the, the moth tomato juice or whatever. They just add a little clam and it's, it's good, man. You guys uh, serve those at bar chef. Uh, we, (laughs) we do not actually. (laughs) No, we, uh, we, we don't, uh, we don't do Caesars, but, uh, you know, we do, we do have some, some stuff that we could, we could whip up for you. See, that's the cool thing. If you're a guest and you come in and you want to have a, you know, you ask for a Caesar, 
you know, we would say, oh, well, unfortunately we couldn't make you, we can't make you a Caesar, but we can do something off menu incorporating, you know, fresh tomatoes and basil and, you know, brine and, you know, green olives and all these different things to be able to achieve, a, you know, a similar kind of flavor profile and tone, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of my dad's favorite drinks after he's been, uh, after a night out in the morning, like, you know, like right around 11, right before noon, a little sleeping in and yeah. then, uh, yeah, bloody Caesar or bloody Mary. That's, that's his go-to for sure. It works. It works. He knows. Your old man knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been around the uh, the food and you know beverage industry his entire life as well. So um, that's part of the inspiration for me being on the podcast. Is you know I also have like an obsession, I guess, with just <clears throat> learning more about the industry from my father. He's you know told me so much and it, cool stories like that. You know. Oh, good for you, man. That's awesome. That's cool. And then uh, you said you're from London, Ontario, right? Yeah. What is your favorite hometown restaurant? Ooh, my favorite hometown restaurant. So we had a restaurant in London uh, called Garlics, and it was so cool. Like it was, uh, it was basically a restaurant concept, you know, built around garlic. And they had like a garlic ice cream. There was like all kinds of cool stuff that they did. It was a super fancy restaurant. So when I was, uh, you know, when I was in, in town in London, I couldn't go there very often. Um, but I remember going, uh, taking a couple of girls there on a date, and it was, uh, it was a pretty cool spot. <laughs> So, so garlic ice cream, uh, how does that taste? Uh, you know what, to be honest, man, it's, it's, it works for sure. Like it's, it's cool. Like when you start getting into savory ice creams and stuff, it's, it's really neat how that kind of that creamed tone, uh, works with different savory elements for sure. It kind of adds like a, like a glaze on the palate. And then you just get, you know, through your olfactory, through the aromatics, you just get all that complexity of, of, you know, the, the, the garlic in this case. And it, it works, it works well for sure. Uh, I totally believe it. I mean, there's, there's some weird combinations out there that, I mean, they surprise me every day. So yeah, for sure. Interesting. Uh, I just got to know, I'm a big fan of, you know, spices and hot sauce and stuff like that. Are are you a big fan of spice? I, you know what I actually have over the last year, probably, you know, grown, uh, grown to really enjoy hot sauce for sure. Like I've got uh, some scorpion pepper sauce now that I've been, uh, been working on. It's, it's, uh, it's cool. So, uh, spices is, is good. Not too much. Um, but, uh, the right amount can be, can be, you know, really enjoyable for sure. Yeah. Me and my roommates, we actually just got, uh, like a, a 1 million Scoville hot sauce. It's called Trinidad Scorpion. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's a scorpion pepper that's in there. It's a scorpion sauce. I don't know if it's, it's, I mean, it's hot for sure, but it's not ghost pepper hot. So I don't know if it's the same one, but 1 million Scoville, that will, that will be, that'll be hot for sure. I, I think that's that's what the pepper's rated at. I don't think the hot sauce is quite that hot. But as for me, like, I just usually go with, like, you know, Cholula or something like that. I can't do the whole Trinidad Scorpion. <laughs> uh, is good, man. That's a good sauce for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and then, uh, were you going to say something, Joey? Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Unless you had something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we're in the same room and it's like, we look at each other and like, is, it looks like he's about to speak and then it looks like I'm about to speak. And then we just end up, <laughs> nobody ends up speaking. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. I know it's, it's the era of learning all about these, uh, you know, conference calls and zoom meetings and all this stuff. It's funny. Cause you get these like, you know, not, we actually haven't had one. You guys have been very good, but you know, sometimes you'll get these like awkward silences and everything. And it's like, okay, you talk. No, Oh, I, oh I'm going to, Oh no, I'm not going to talk. I'll wait. You talk. No, I'll talk. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we feel that it's definitely a lot easier in person, you know, connecting to the person and getting to talk, you know, 15, 20 minutes before having a drink. Yeah. So like remote podcast uh, can definitely be a little hard to get into, but you're you're very good at uh, interviewing. So it's been pretty easy with you. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. No, you guys have been great. Awesome. Thank you. As we're starting to like wind down the show a little bit here, what is something that someone at home, the average person, what can they do to spice up their cocktail and make it just a little bit better in your opinion? You know what? I think it's, it's like, as with anything, like if you're cooking at home, it's, it's the same type of idea, you know, like play around, try working with new ingredients, new, you know, things that you might not necessarily thought would work together. Sometimes they'll surprise you and, and, and make something beautiful. So, you know, I always say like, if you're, if you're looking at elevating your, you know, your mixology uh, skills at home, it's about working with fresh ingredients. So like going to the store, if you're going to be making mojitos, you know, get the freshest, most beautiful mint and lime. Uh, that you can, you know, work with fresh ingredients because all of those ingredients have essential oils on, on the surface area of, of, of what they're doing, right? So anytime you're working with them to release those essential oils is how you achieve vibrancy. So it's very important to always be working with fresh ingredients. 
Um, and yeah, play around, you know, like, and there's so many resources now, um, online with, uh, you know, for mixology, like different cocktail books and, and, you know, different videos and, and podcasts and all that. So, you know, just, you know, just ex- experiment, have fun with it. Um, you know, think outside the box a little bit and you'll probably end up surprising yourself for sure. But fresh ingredients are key. What's a, what's one unlikely combination that you've created at home that if you can think of any? Uh, so for me, I mean, you know, right now, currently the working with white chocolate for the program at the, uh, at the bar, we're doing a lot of really cool stuff with white chocolate and it, it's amazing, like how well it pairs with, uh, you know, with, with an, a, a wide range of ingredients, anything from, um, from truffle to coconut to basil to grapefruit. Uh, it's, it's really, really cool. So like, and then as well with like white chocolate, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, that nostalgic, you know. Easter, Easter bunny, like white Easter bunny chocolate, like that, that stuff is really cool to work with. So I've, uh, I've, I've been doing some really interesting things with that actually. So I would, I would say like, you know, the flavor pairing of, and then chocolate as well, like, you know, regular chocolate with like rosemary or star anise or, you know, caraway is really cool. Like there's uh, another really cool ingredient to work with is patchouli. Uh, patchouli is really, really neat and pairs beautifully with all kinds of really cool stuff. So yeah, it's, I mean, you just gotta, you know, have some fun and play around with new ingredients. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it sounds like, like when you create drinks or cocktails or food at the bar, you want to almost, you know, evoke that emotion from somebody of like nostalgia. Um, do you find that people, every person has like a, a little bit of a different reaction to when they try something? Oh, hundred percent. It's, and it's, it's one of my favorite things to, you know, to, to pull out of, uh, you know, of the guest experiences is I utilize nostalgia as an actual ingredient in composition, just because think about like how, you know, how powerful that makes that experience that how visceral that experience becomes. If you have like a, you know, nostalgic reference to something that you're tasting or you're smelling and you haven't, you know, smelled it or tasted it in like decades to be able to have that just pop. Uh, you know, when you come to Bar Chef and you take, like we've had guests, for example, uh, I'll give you two examples. So we had uh, a gentleman uh, had a cocktail that we used to have on the menu called the Madman, which incorporated um, aromatics of leather. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit of um, a tobacco and cherry and maple and all these different flavor profiles. Um, but the, the aromatic of, of leather is very dominant in the composition. And, uh, and so he had the cocktail and then he came up to me um, after his experience at Bar Chef and, uh, and he said, listen, he's like, I just, I just want to let you know that, uh, he's like, I had the madman tonight. And, uh, and it was like such a powerful experience for him because when he smelled the aromatic component on that cocktail, which was uh, aromatic of leather, it brought him back instantly to his very first, uh, baseball game that his dad took him to and the smell of his baseball glove. And I'm like, you know, for me, like to be able to create that, that emotion, on, uh, you know, from the guest perspective is the reason why I do what I do. Like that's, that's pure energy. Like that is pure emotion, pure passion to be able to, you know, to be taken back to that time, like instantly just through aromatics is crazy. And then we also had a, a young lady, uh, who received a cocktail on our menu called the spring thaw and, uh, you know, has is aromatics of, of moss and soil, uh, grapefruit and, uh, cedar and lilac. And when she smelled that blend, that aromatic blend, uh, she began to cry because it reminded her of playing in her grandma's backyard uh, that backed onto a ravine when she was a little girl, you know? So like to be able to, to hit people's nostalgic emotions like that is, is amazing. Like super, super stoked. That's, that's exactly why I do what I do for sure. That's so amazing, Frankie. I'm going to have like a completely different view on alcohol and drinks after this. Oh, absolutely, man. For sure. You got to come to, you got you to come to Bar Chef. When, when you guys open back up, we're down. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're crossing our fingers. Uh, it should be, you know, we're hoping it should, I'm thinking maybe a couple weeks, maybe we'll see. I don't know. Like it's, uh, it's, uh, I guess, yeah, are you, you guys are not open yet there. Are you or no? Yesterday was the first day that, um, bars, in uh like you go inside of bars um about five days ago was the first time you could go outside and still be at bars um we're on the edge of like michigan and ohio and michigan is still about like two weeks to a month out of like reopening completely so we just kind of started that yeah okay so yeah so we're we're probably looking around a similar similar timeline i think for sure i think we're looking at about a couple weeks hopefully we'll see (laughs) yeah i mean that's the hope it's so cool being able to like go back out and you know hang out with your favorite bartenders and go to your favorite favorite establishments. Oh so yeah, sure. so it feels like. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like you're gonna have a pretty crazy story with this one. 
what would you say is the most thrill-seeking thing that you've ever done? <laughs> the most thrill-seeking thing that I've ever done. Oh, that's uh, that's a good one. You know what? To be honest, um, oh, well, I, I mean, I, I used to do some pretty crazy stuff with with rock climbing. That's for sure. Um, but uh, you know, I think my I did a talk recently. Uh, well, not recently. I think it was like last year in uh, in Berlin. Uh, at the, at the bar convent, uh, Berlin. And, uh, and it was, it was on, you know, bar chef and our approach and the evolution of the program. And it was, you know, the first time that I'd been asked to speak in, in Europe, uh, you know, on, uh, on the program at bar chef and, and what we do at bar chef. And, and so I, you know, I was, I was, I was very excited for that opportunity. Uh, and, you know, and to be able to, you know, to get up on stage and, and, and share our approach. Uh, with, with that many industry, you know, professionals all in, in one spot and, and have them, you know, like just, you know, have their full attention for, you know, an hour was, was awesome. It was such a, such a cool experience. Cause I, like, whenever I do public speaking, I get like super, super into it, like super, you know, excited and, and, uh, you know, throw my hands around and just get really, really into it. And, uh, and I, I love the opportunity to, you know, to share about, you know, and speak about what we do at bar chef. Um, so I, I would say, you know, although I've done some pretty crazy stuff that people would probably think is, is pretty crazy with, you know, with rock climbing and, and, you know, dangerous aspect of that sport. Uh, I would probably say like my most thrill seeking experience would be like speaking, you know, at bar convent Berlin in front of all those, you know, people and, and just being able to share, uh, you know, our approach at bar chef and, and what we've done and even to be able to, you know, be asked, to, to go to Berlin and do that is pretty cool honor. So I would say that that's my answer. Yeah. I can tell even like on the podcast, you're very passionate about what you do. And I can only imagine in a room of full of people, like auditorium, probably of people watching you, I can imagine that's just probably what you love to do at this point. Oh yeah, man. I get super into it for sure. I love, I love public speaking. I love the energy of it. It's like, it's like live TV, you know, like whenever you do like morning shows or live TV, making cocktails, I love that, that energy, you know, it's cool, cool feeling for sure. So you mentioned you did rock climbing. Did you play any other sports growing up? I uh, played a little bit of, of uh, soccer and baseball uh, and tiny little bit of hockey, but uh, but both hockey and soccer I was I was not uh, very good at. Baseball I played for a little bit though. Baseball was pretty good. Okay, I think he's a big hockey guy. I'm, I'm <laughs> in love with hockey. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's a cool sport for sure. I was just I was. Just, I was that skater that, you know, cause I was young. I was that skater that his, like my ankles looked like they were going to snap off. Cause like my, you know, like blades were all like on, on, on an angle all the time. And I was just kind of like, I wasn't into it. It was cold. I was like, no, you're only skating on the inside of your blades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, one of the, one of the, you know, traditional questions around here is, do you have any good ghost stories? And we ask that from every guest and every person usually gives us a, something a little crazy. So do you have any good ones? I, you know what? I actually probably, I mean, I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of anything right now, to be honest. I think I, uh, I mean, I've had some like pretty crazy stuff with just like things moving or just that feeling that, you know, for sure that someone is, is in the room that is in the room with you or that feeling, you know, like someone, someone's behind you that, you know, if you're going up some stairs, yeah. um, I, I actually, I actually can't think of like a full on like ghost experience. I don't think I've had, I don't think I've, I'm going to have one tonight now, probably. But no, I don't. <laughs> I'm say, fingers crossed. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? You guys got a good ghost story? All right, Joey. Joey's uh, he's from a farm town and some, paranormal, <laughs> some paranormal stuff goes down there. So Joey, take it away. Yeah, I guess uh, I always have a good one. I don't usually share it too often, but I keep it for, you know, situations like this. So, um, okay. This actually wasn't in the farm town. This was in my uh, at my mom's. She's around uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So my grandma always like when she touches a Ouija board, stuff just happens to come true. Like it's really weird. But usually, I never believed in that stuff. But um, yeah. my mom and my aunt, and my grandma told me a story when they were younger. Um, my mom and my grandma were playing Ouija board with two of her friends, and the Ouija board told them that two weeks. Uh, later, their house was going to burn down. Not exactly like that, but like in that sense. And then two weeks later, my younger aunt actually got caught in the bathroom and hit a candle into the recycling or into the trash bin and their house actually caught on fire. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It could be complete. I'm sure it's just complete crazy coincidence. But to this day, it's like one of the best 
it's the the realest experience I've had with Ghost, at least, you know. Wow, that's cool. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, those yeah. Ouija boards, and they're they're uh, they're pretty scary. Those things. I don't know. I think they're legit. I think they're that. I think they're real. I'm I'm always fifty fifty on it because I feel like when I used to play with my friends, they just mess with us. But like yeah. hearing some stories like that from other people, you're like, and eh, they might be true. I I like I said personally haven't had anything too crazy, but it's happened with my family. So <laughs> I actually so speaking of Ouija board, I actually did play Ouija board. Uh, when I was younger, like when I was thinking it was about like 15 and, uh, and I asked, I remember asking the Ouija board, I was like, so, you know, what's my, what's my favorite jazz song? What's my favorite Miles Davis song? And, uh, and it knew, I mean, it, it spelled out the, so like the, the song was called, so what? And, uh, I mean, it's a classic Miles Davis song and, uh, and it spelled it out. So I don't know if I did that, but my eyes were closed. So I don't know. I just, yeah, but that, that was pretty cool. That's freaky. Yeah, that's, wow, that sounds kind of real to me. <laughs> I guess that, that's a ghost story. I guess I, I fully just had a So there you go. I got a ghost story. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what is uh, one life lesson that you learned that you'd love to share with everyone? One life lesson. You know, I mean, just appreciate every day. You know, you got to appreciate every day. Appreciate your family and friends. You know, make sure to let everyone know all the time how much they mean to you, uh, you know, and, uh, and don't take anything for granted and, and, and make sure you always, always live your life in positivity. Make sure you keep, you know, surround yourself with positive people, uh, you know, and do everything that you do, do it with love. Well said. All right. So, uh, where can people catch you? What are your socials? Uh, okay. So barchef.com is our website, uh, at barchef, uh, for Instagram, uh, at barchef project, at barchef events. Uh, for our catering and then uh, mine is uh, at Frankie Solari. Awesome. Thank you so much, Frankie. It's been a pleasure having you on. Hey, my, my yeah, my pleasure, boys. It was, uh, it was a fun time, man. Thank you very much for the opportunity.